Welcome to the Expose Podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Molly. And we're just a couple of goofy gals here to tell you about topics and get down to the real nitty gritty of it all. We are here to help you navigate through the confusing ins and outs of hot topics and get down to the truth. Oh, yeah. Stay tuned and listen to our next topic. Thanks for listening to the Expose. You are recording. Welcome to the podcast. This is my co-host for the evening. Hello, hello. Can you introduce yourself? My name is Jesse Heyer, and I am Rachel's fiance. Are you excited to be a part of the show today? I'm ready to hear the mysteries. Yeah? That is conspiracy. So I found a few that I thought at least you would have a little interest in. That I would have. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I would like to start off the first one. Please don't see my computer. <laughs> Are you familiar with basketball player Patrick Ewing? Yes. Um, do you recall the team that he played on? Oh, I'm trying to recall. It rhymes with... The Schnicks. The Schnicks? The Knicks? Uh-huh. Okay. So Patrick Ewing played for the Knicks back in 1985. He was drafted to the Knicks. And from what I discovered, there was quite the controversy and conspiracy behind him getting drafted to the Knicks. I hope that's not copyright by Chris Angel because <laughs> he's going to come back at us with Mind Freak suing. That's true. He probably needs the money these days. <laughs> okay, back to Patrick Ewing. Okay. So back in 1985, he was one of the best college basketball players kind of around. Yep. And he was definitely wanted by a lot of different teams. And that is when they first came up with the NBA draft lottery. Have you heard of the draft lottery? Do they still do that today? So I watched a YouTube video on how they used to do it. And I don't know if this is how they still do it, but they put it like a big ball and they had like these big envelopes and they put it in the ball and they rotate it around as if it's like actually the lottery. And um, a man puts his hand in and he pulls the envelopes out and puts it up on a rack with numbers and then they start off like pick number five yeah. would be I'm blanking. You're blanking. <laughs> the Cleveland Cavaliers or whatever. Yeah. And then so on and so forth. So rumor has it that during this draft lottery, the envelope that contained Ewing's name had been frozen so that the NBA commissioner, David Stern, could identify it and the Knicks would have Ewing. As their first pick. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. So um, believers claim that Commissioner David Stern had rigged the lottery for the New York Knicks to get first pick. Does this all make sense to you? Yeah, yeah. Do you think that it's possible for them to have frozen an envelope for it to be easier identified? I would think so. Yeah. What would give them the reason to want to have Patrick Ewing so bad? I mean, they probably, I mean, the Knicks, they're in New York. If New York's been struggling for a while. Well, let me give you a brief history. Back in the 80s, I guess basketball teams were having a really bad cocaine problem. (laughs) So they were really trying to clean up their act. And they thought if they could get a top-notch player in New York, that would initiate the whole thing for everyone to clean up their act. And since this is the first year of them doing the lottery, they thought this could be a good marketing strategy that everyone could kind of get in on it and that people that love basketball could watch it on TV and they could really get into it with them. So the Knicks were suffering at this time. They weren't doing so great. They knew Patrick Ewing was like the best thing to come around since I don't even know who was the best player before that. (laughs) So there's other conspiracy theories along with this, not only that the envelope was 
frozen, but also that the guy who was putting the envelopes in, his name was Jack Wagner. When he was putting the envelopes in, he purposely knew which one was the NYX because it was frozen. And when he dropped it in, he purposely knocked it against the plastic ball to cause a, a small fold in the corner. So whoever was drawing could see which one was the Knicks and they could put that as the first pick. Now you might be wondering why they would all be okay with this. Why would they like everyone in the league, I guess would be okay with them rigging this, I guess. This is interesting as well. Consider that that gentleman, Patrick Wagner putting the envelopes in there. He worked for an accounting firm called Ernst and Winnie. Does that seem significant to you at all? Probably not. But Ernst and Winnie was the auditing firm for Gulf and Western, and they then owned the Knicks. Oh, wow. The dots all kind of connected there. So with the guy banging the envelope inside the ball, causing a small fold in a corner, while also having the envelope frozen so the guy could even feel for the coldest envelope. Mm-hmm. It all kind of connected, allowing them to get the Knicks as the first pick in the lottery, I guess. Yep, yep. If that's still not enough for you. Still not enough. Still not enough. The Knicks general manager then, Dave DeBouchery, question mark on the last name. <laughs> um, He already had a Knicks Patrick Ewing jersey ready made to pose with pictures at the end of the night. So, Jesse, on a scale of one to five, one to five, out of five Patrick Ewing Knicks jerseys, how believable is this conspiracy theory? I would say a two. Really? Two to three. Two to three. And why is that? Just because, I mean, you hear so many... You know, stories of sports being rigged and back in the day, you know. They did play a lot a little, of betting, a lot yeah. of drugs. They played a little dirtier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little rougher. And keep in mind, the NBA in the 1980s was not super, super popular like it is now. It's true. It's they true. wanted it to be popular. So they really wanted to include everyone, even if that meant rigging the system. I mean, it's New York, you know. Are they scummy there? No, it's just like one of the biggest cities, you know, so it's like more of a fan base. Yeah, you want to sell more tickets, you want to bring the biggest star Mm -hmm. coming out to New York. So you do think they could have rigged it just for that pure reason? So do you want to change your answer from two to five? No. I mean (laughs) You think that's I still think it's a a three, two, three, I'd say. (laughs) You think it's all chance that they got the It definitely could have happened. It definitely might have just been a coincidence. Okay, okay, and then coincidences happen. I will say as well, when um, the gentleman who is pulling out the envelopes, he let out a big, in the YouTube video I watched, he let out a big sigh, like when he pulled it out, almost like he had a guilty look on his face, like, I got away with it. Thank God, it's done. He seemed nervous in the first place, and then when it was done, he just seemed relieved, like, we got away with it. Okay. You're still keeping it a two or a three? Yeah, I believe so. All right. Hello, this is Molly with the expose, and my co-host this evening is going to be... Will? Yep, Will is here, and he's going to help me tell you guys about some conspiracy theories. So I've picked some that I thought were kind of interesting and maybe you might think they're kind of interesting too. (laughs) So um, first of all, do you believe in conspiracy theories? Me? Yeah, like are you a conspirist? No, I actually think conspiracy theories are dangerous. They feel like a way that people can kind of feel smart, like in a world that's maybe makes them feel a little bit like they're maybe just like a speck in the wind to borrow a cliche (laughs) but uh yeah i feel like a lot of them you know are just kind of formed and they they snowball and then people latch onto them because it's a way for them to be like oh i know i'm smarter i know more than like you know what everybody's saying i i you know so to me they feel like they're a way for people to kind of have 
to enact their inferiority complexes and feel like they know something that's secret and elusive and clandestine when really <laughs> it's just some some randomly somehow this got started or some misinformation has caused it and and that can have serious consequences in the real world as well because some conspiracy theories cause people to vote one way or even yeah. incite violence or even enact violence so yeah that's very true and i think that you know there's a lot of just kind of playful conspiracy theories and that's kind of what I chose here. Okay. <laughs> Sorry to go on no, like no, a no. really dark no. tangent. No, that's fine. I just, I didn't really want to get into some of the like deep ones um, be just because they are kind of controversial. But, um, but yeah, I, are there any conspiracies that you, even though you're not a huge you know fan of them, are there any that you think throughout the years have struck you as maybe being believable? Well, you figured that all of them, like maybe especially the older ones have some sort of like kernel of truth mm -hmm. uh, that maybe was their genesis. But I mean, I don't know. I can't really think of any off the top of my head. I mean, I'm sure. So you, you believe in the moon landing? I believe in the moon landing. Uh, Lee yeah. Harvey Oswald shot, shot JFK. Yeah. No aliens in Area 51. Maybe that's the one that I believe the most just because I want to believe. And I think that's another <laughs> thing too with conspiracy theory is people find conspiracy theories that, you know, that reinforce their ideologies. Mm. So it's a way, or just their beliefs in general, but I think it's a way for them to be sort of like when the world is telling them that what what they believe is wrong or maybe what they believe isn't as good or, or yada, yada. Or they don't want to believe what the world is telling sure, them. Sure, sure. So they, they fall back on these conspiracy theories as a way to be like, well, it's some, some huge thing that's trying to trick me out of you know, from I'm right, the world is just, it's just some sort of big, you know, yeah. conspiracy theory. So, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I, I guess aliens would probably be the one that I would, would want to be true, or I guess. As long as they're in, in Area 51. Yeah. <laughs> but, Wasn't it Stephen Hawking that said it'd be horrible if aliens ever showed up because yeah. it would probably mean that they were trying it's to take, take to... over the <laughs> the planet? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I kind of on the same page. I don't believe most conspiracy theories. I think they're kind of fun sometimes. They are fun. Um, they're they're fun to talk about. Yeah, and they're fun to see people that. Well, maybe fun's the wrong word, but it's interesting to see people that believe them, especially the one that, no matter like the flat Earth. Yeah, society like we've that, done the flat Earth I don't know episode, you, and well, the part I remember people. that documentary where they literally conducted an experiment that proved that the world is round, or you know, that, yeah. and they were like. Oh, we must have done it wrong, or so you know, the, yeah, the, so so how entrenched they are in the theory or the conspiracy theory. Well, let's jump in with my first conspiracy theory. Now, Will, you are an avid reader, I would say. Sure. And you've probably read a, the American classic "To Kill a Mockingbird." Yeah. And you're also familiar with Truman Capote's "In Cold Blood." I've read that book as well. Yes. <laughs> would you say there's any similarities between those books in style, tone, anything at all? Uh, I, I mean, I, I couldn't really give you an educated guess. It's been so long since I've read. I mean, I read t in, in Cold Blood probably more recently than I had To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. But, I mean, they, I know Harper Lee and Truman Capote were really good close friends. Yeah, so that's that's kind of where this is going, is there is a conspiracy that Truman Capote is actually the author or heavily editor heavily edited <laughs> to kill a mockingbird because um and some of the reasonings i mean this one is i would say a little bit looser but um a lot of the reasonings were that they were such good childhood friends and capote's family has actually claimed that he was involved in some way in the writing of this book but it's kind of been something that harper lee definitely has denied and her her family has denied do you think it's possible yeah, I I mean, I don't know to what extent, but I know when writing something as a novel or any sort of work, and, may, and maybe not even just like an editor that maybe Capote, uh, the role that maybe he would have taken, but like the publisher, there you know, so many people mm -hmm. look through the manuscript and go through it. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if, I mean, if he had, even, even if it was just like an advisory role, because I mean, I talk with people about my work all the time and just, so... And, you know, I'm sure what they say influences me. So, so yeah, I, I, I think that the gist of it was because, first of all, that's her only book. But she had the second book. That yeah, they and it came out like 65 years later and it was kind of panned by yeah. critics. 
Um, and yet, that To Kill a Mockingbird is considered one of the greatest books of all time. It sold 30 million copies. And so kind of like people were trying to bridge the gap between that book and Go Set a Watchman. And while I think those are probably more similar stylistically than Truman like In Cold Blood and To Kill a Mockingbird stylistically. Well, the thing that In Cold Blood and To Kill a Mockingbird, In Cold Blood is nonfiction. Yeah. So, I mean, it's creative nonfiction. So it, it I'm sure there's some sort of, <laughs> I'm sure he took some liberties, but... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. A lot of people have kind of con- like watered this conspiracy theory down to either jealousy from Truman Capote, Capote, <laughs> Truman Capote, um, because... Truman Capote? The Harper- catty type? No. <laughs> Harper Lee, I mean, she won a Pulitzer Prize for her book, and it was wildly popular, and he, you know, she didn't really enjoy the fame. He loved. And he loved the fame, so he was jealous basically coming jealous of, of a, her success yeah he wrote pretty in pink or not pretty in pink uh or no maybe i think he wrote pretty yeah in pink. uh in cold blood you know i mean he had some pretty yeah but pretty, they weren't i guess as liter like as critically acclaimed i mean as to kill a mockingbird um they did find a letter from truman capote to his aunt and basically it was written one year before the publication of to Kill a Mockingbird, and it basically says that he read her novel and really liked it. And a lot of people have taken that to mean, like, why would he lie to his aunt and say that he read it and liked it if he well, who, was Who was spreading? Was Truman Capote spreading this conspiracy um, I thing? think he might have maybe... Well, and Harper Lee actually did help him research In Cold Blood, and they, they were really good friends for a long time, but this jealousy over the compet- competition kind of soured that. But I think he might have been a component of this as well as his family and just other people i guess who had thought some people contributed to misogyny you know a woman not being you know well i could tell you right successful. now truman capote is probably more effeminate than <laughs> harper lee was yeah and harper lee has come out and said um i think it was a 2006 interview that he was a compulsive liar i and yeah i want to surprise her quote was the way he lied was like if you were to say to him did you know that JFK was shot? He would just reply back nonchalantly, yeah, I was driving the car he was in. You know, just well, like everything yeah. he said was kind of a lie, just whatever he felt like saying. So well, yeah, it's yeah. very possible that off the cuff one day he said, oh, yeah, I wrote that book. And well, he's, I think he was, rumors. you know, pretty well known as being like a gossip and catty and yeah. backstabby and, you know. On a scale, Will, of one to five birds that mock things how likely would you say this conspiracy is i mean i guess we're if we're we have to work on degrees like what are we talking about like he wrote the whole thing and she put her name on it or let's say um to a degree of collaboration where he should get some credit for it like how hmm. like a so five meaning five meaning he should get full credit and one meaning he should get semi or like zero Zero. to no credit yeah yeah maybe one and a half Mockingbirds. Okay, birds that mock. Yeah, Yeah, birds that mock. (laughs) On to the next conspiracy theory. Do these lyrics ring a bell to you? When I wake up in the morning, the alarm gives out a warning, and I don't think I'll ever make it on time. Saved by the bell. Yes. So this conspiracy theory revolves around Saved by the Bell. Saved by the Bell stole the lyrics? No. No? But the lyrics give a hint as to what the show really is. Oh. I read an article about Saved by the Bell, and the lyrics kind of describe the show and what a normal teenager going through high school might be going through. They don't think that they'll make it to school on time. By the time I grab my books and I give myself a look... I'm at the corner just in time to see the bus fly by. Like, it sounds like a kid just, like, trying to make it to school on time. The teacher pops a test. I know I'm in a mess. And my dog ate all my homework last night. Like, this just seems like typical, average. Every kid's life. Yeah. Now, think back to the show. Was Zach Morris ever a kid that was just suffering and struggling through school? Or did he seem like the cool guy who seemed to have it all figured out and that he just kind of breezed through school? And if a teacher popped a test, 
it was no stress to him. That should be the real lyric. Oh, yeah. The teacher no pops stress. a test and there's no stress because I'm Zach Morris. Right? Doesn't that seem strange? Like, why would the lyrics for the theme song about Zach Morris not coincide with how Zach Morris is? I don't know. I mean, I think he didn't, you know, he didn't take school that seriously the whole time. Mm-hmm. So he just kind of flung by the seat of his pants. So this is the conspiracy theory I found was that Zach Morris is in a dream state. A dream state. Mm-hmm. If you, maybe I'll play the theme song for you just so it can ring a bell to you. Literally, say by the bell. <laughs> Please notice the ringing sound at the begin of, beginning of the song and at the end. And this is a cover. He didn't put the bell sound at the end. In the TV show, there's also a bell sound at the end. Yeah. That rounds out my theory here. So Two bells? Yes, two bells. So the first bell is Zach Morris waking up. And the song is Zach Morris's typical life. It's that he's barely making it to school on time. He's doing shitty in school. He's just kind of there and doing the best he can. The second bell represents Zach Morris falling back asleep. And then that's when the show enters. And then we see cool guy Zach just doing the thing that he does. And he's just getting all the girls and doing what Zach does. So this is the theory that... He's in the dream. This is all a dream. The theme song is actually what Zach is. But the, the TV show is dream time Zach. I never thought about it like that. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It gets darker. Darker. It doesn't really add to my conspiracy, but I thought I'd just throw it in because I saw it. If you play Saved by the Bell backwards, it's actually a satanic song. What? <laughs> who would know that? Someone who decided to play the, the song backwards. And what? No it, satanic songs? No, it says... I miss my Satan saved by something. I don't, I can play, I can find it and play it for you. It's really creepy. I didn't like watching it. Yeah. So that's not really with my theory. But what do you think of this theory? Out of five Zach Morris hairdos, how right, or what do you think of this conspiracy theory? I would have to go two or three again. Why? You're so mediocre. You're so... It was one of my favorite shows growing up. So of course. Is this theory believable? That is just a dream. Mm-hmm. I also I read... I would say no. No? No. I read that, just to back this up, that Zach Morris got a very, very average score on his SATs, okay. but he got into Yale. How is that possible? But, I mean, they went to college, you know? Yeah, and, and still... Then... Still this... Where did he end up going to college? It wasn't Yale. I didn't watch all the way through the college years. They all like went to the same college. Bayside College. (laughs) UCLA. The next conspiracy switches gears a little bit. This one is more the governmental kind. So we've been to Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Did you know that there is a secret room behind Mount Rushmore? I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I'm sure when they're building the thing, they... Well, 
Gutzan Borglum. The guy that made it. Yeah, he he is kind of an eccentric. Um, I guess he had had some jobs before Mount Rushmore that he was either fired from or left in a fear of left in a mad rage, basically, because he couldn't get his way on some things. And so he's kind of a firecracker. And um, one of his things was that he didn't just want to leave behind four giant faces carved. Well, he wanted to have the whole bodies. I remember seeing that when we were in the Mount Rushmore Museum. He didn't want to just leave that behind. He wanted to make sure that people knew who made it, where it was coming from. Because his example was like, nobody knows who made Stonehenge. And we have to sit here and speculate about it. A quote from him is, you might as well drop a letter into the world post office without an address or signature as to send that carved mountain into history without identification. So his vision for Mount Rushmore included a room behind there that was going to be known as the Hall of Records. And he started construction on this room in 1938. So that's about 10, 11 years into the construction of um, Mount Rushmore itself. And so the room is back there, and that's a verified thing. What is kind of not verified is what the room is now used for, because he died three years into the construction of this room, so now there is a 70-foot chamber behind the hairline and eyes of Abraham Lincoln. And Mm. it's lined with, I think, titanium, and um, basically it's closed to the public. So a lot of conspiracies have been going around about what is this room used for? What are they doing in this room? It's where they keep the cleaning supplies. <laughs> he wanted to have things like the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, store that all up there. And his idea was for future civilizations to have basically a one stop for the civilization that built this thing so they can look back and know everything. Or maybe even future future species that come to this planet would know what's going on and why we built what we built and carved that. However, there are some more sinister theories um, involving a secret military base. I know there's been a lot of movies that have proposed that kind of thing. I think Team America. (laughs) (laughs) The Um, movie with puppets on Marietta. But I think that their base was in Mount Rushmore. It's um, very, very uh, good evidence that there's some sort of secret well, base. Well, it's there. just the conspiracy showing up in pop, pop uh-huh. culture. They also have video of somebody going up there. And it is interesting because this is kind of carved in the style of an Egyptian tomb. And if you follow conspiracies at all, you know that Egyptian motifs are a big part of the whole Illuminati thing and the whole like occultism thing that people think are ruling the world. So it's carved like an Egyptian tomb. And some people hiked up there and found six goats in a sacrificial arrangement. And Mm -hmm. so there is the theory that it is being used as some type of Kabbalistic. Is that the right word? Cabal? Yeah. Um, Ritual site. It was finished on Halloween. Mount Rushmore was. So that's an important day in the occult world. Um, Wasn't the guy that made it like a super racist? Borgelum? Yeah. Uh, I don't know about that. I just know <laughs> that he, he was like the son of a Danish immigrant. Yeah. yeah, and it's been closed to the public. I think they have opened it recently, and they put like a bunch of copies of some important documents and stuff in there. But do you do you think that there's a secret world order that's ruling world, Will? I do, but not the secret world order that is like the Illuminati. I think the secret world order that rules the world, or is probably just, you know, the people that have the most money have the most influence. George Soros? Yeah, George Soros. <laughs> Bill Gates. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bill That's talking about conspiracy theories getting out of control. Yeah. But I, I think that, you know, money talks to borrow another cliche but do you think that i mean i don't know there's just a lot of like occultism in these conspiracy theories do you think there's any truth to that do you think that the rich people have either fun or have some strange beliefs or do you think it's the public just being like this is more fun to talk about than them just having money and sitting in a boardroom i bet you that there are rich people that are into the occult, and there are poor people <laughs> and middle-class people that are into the cult. Mm-hmm. But rich people that are in the cult have the funds and the connections to do a little bit more than, say, 
Joe Schmo. So maybe that just more notice. I mean, I wouldn't, I, you know, do I think that there's some sort of like secret society out there that rich people belong to? Probably. There's, you know, they probably have some well, elite thing. I'm pretty sure. I mean, but are they all praising Satan? Probably not. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure that there are, I mean, there are definitely societies out there that do exist now, whether or not people actually, like the people that are in them, take them seriously. What was it? Like the Golden Dawn, the Hermetic yeah. Golden Dawn we did that episode on. Or I know, like, there's the skull and bones at Yale. Yeah. Um, that's a real thing, but do they actually do any type of like yeah, serious well, rituals that they you know do they believe in them i don't it's know it's called the the ritual of mini paddlings as they go through <laughs> and they get initiated no i mean i it's just another fr, you know fraternity kind of style of thing well and it's more fun to have a fraternity that you do some weird shit in yeah, and instead of just <laughs> like all right like, all right guys so, we're gonna have a like i'm sure these things exist and i'm sure you know and the people in them have money and power like mm -hmm. connections and so they have influence and stuff like that. Do I think they're summoning Satan? One, they're not summoning anything because there's no, <laughs> there's no, you know, Satan or well, anything like that. But on a scale of one to five giant carved heads, how likely is it that the secret room at Mount Rushmore is used for more than just storage? Do you think? I'll give it a two giant car devs. I'll think this is a little bit more likely than this Crumpody one, but not that likely. The last conspiracy theory I found is a little bit more out there, I think. Um, are you familiar with Stonehenge? Stonehenge? Henge. Hedge. Henge. Hedge. Henge. Pretty sure it's hedge. Um, well, I did a lot of research and it all says henge. So are you familiar? <laughs> Is that the conspiracy theory that it's called that? <laughs> no. Stonehenge. So you do know what I'm talking about though? Yes. Do you believe that it was built by aliens? I don't know. I haven't thought about it much. I mean, if you're familiar with it, it's like very tall rocks. They're yeah. about 18 feet tall and they're in a perfect circle. Yeah. Some are stacked on top of each other. Yeah. How is that possible? How could they have done that? I don't know. Aliens. Aliens. It makes sense that aliens would do that, right? The conspiracy well, theory. Dinosaurs? Mm. Playing around. All right, you might have to come back to me <laughs> with a different conspiracy theory. T-Rex is tossing some rocks. <laughs> In just a perfect circle. I guess. So there's this dude, and his name is Eric Von Dachian. I, yeah. I think he's of some different dialect than I. Anyways, he is the author of a book called Chariots of the Gods. And then he makes kind of the claims on uh, different godlike aliens, they are doing these Stonehenge-type structures in the UK. There's actually a whole area. This area, it's like near the town called Salisbury, and they have a lot of different structures like Stonehenge. They have Woodhenge, and it's kind of the same structure, but it's wood. Okay. Um, and then they've also discovered there's multiple, multiple other circle-like structures, but they're beneath the ground, as if it's just, like, sunken into the earth or whatever. So, Eric, he um, wrote a book in 1968 that claims that Stonehenge was built by visiting aliens, or at least that they provided the necessary knowledge and technologies to build it. Not wanting to imply that these visitors were underachievers, he also gives them credit for the pyramids and the Easter Island heads, I guess. There are multiple sightings of UFOs that have continued in the area of Stonehenge. There is multiple YouTube videos, newspapers, magazines. They all kind of throw out the same thing that there are UFO sightings near the area. Cool. And they all kind of look the same. It's an alien and he's like tall and thin and he's just, you know, checking out his work. But others also believe that um, it was there. 
as like a landing pad for the aliens so they know where to land. Like a helipad? Mm-hmm. Somewhere. A okay. spaceship pad? I don't know. <laughs> okay. So that's kind of their theory. And then I went onto the Stonehenge website to see what they had to say. Oh, going back quick, though, to what – oh, he's Swiss. Swiss author Eric had to say. He said it was a solar system that also functioned as an alien landing pad. After all, how else could these massive stones have ended up hundreds of miles from their home quarry? So they know where their home quarry is at. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So the Stonehenge website suggests – that 5,000 years ago, we did in fact have the technology and the knowledge, I guess, to set up stones this way. And that it, the builders of it put it up in that pattern to align with solstices and eclipse. I can believe that. Yeah. So they wanted to keep an eye on the heavens, even if they didn't come from above, is what the Stonehenge website said. But... What do you think? Out of five UFOs, how believable? Now, um, side note to our listeners, Jesse totally believes in aliens. Oh, definitely. And we could recommend a great podcast to you if you're interested in learning more about aliens. More on that later. So how believable is this? When Mm. I first was doing research, I really didn't know much about Stonehenge other than they're just big rocks that people put up. But they're kind of mysterious on the same note. Um, The actual location was owned by some guy in the UK. And he didn't open it up for public to view until like 1968. So he's kind of like keeping it to himself. Did anyone ever do like a background check on that dude? Not that I looked into. I will give it. I'm going to go with three UFOs again. Hey, that's better than two. Okay. That's true. So. Um, tell me about what you believe in aliens. Give the audience the podcast to reference. Um, there's a great <laughs> podcast on Joe Rogan's podcast, Joe Rogan's Experience. Um, his name's Bob Lazar. He worked at a government test facility um, near Area 51. It's a great, great podcast. I'd recommend go watching it. It's three hours long. Yeah, or listening. yeah, I was gonna say you can listen to it. I think it's on Apple Podcast, and I think Joe well, Rogan's YouTube. Well, yeah, you can YouTube it too, but I think Joe Rogan's podcast is gonna be on Spotify in like September. So if yeah. that's where you listen to that, then you can find it there. Yeah, Bob Lazar. Bob um, Bob there's Lazar. also a documentary about him on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, and we've kind of been watching that off and on too. Well, that rounds out my conspiracy theories. I guess I didn't quite convince you on what was believable or not. It's all right. I'm hard to persuade slash easy easy to persuade. (laughs) Which one was the most believable? I think the NBA one. I would agree. Yeah. I think it was later noted, like they did an interview with, what was his name? Dan Stern. They did an interview with him in like 2012 and like they kind of joked at it and he- He said, like, absolutely no, we did not rig it. And here's your statement. I would never do that. And why would you even ask? Like, uh-huh. he was very much offended. So oh. I think maybe he's sick of hearing about it. Oh, yeah. Like, Probably. we can win things too. We don't have to rig it yeah. just to, you know, get a stroke of good luck. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's interesting. It's kind of fun to think about, though. That they would go to, like, that desperate of measures. I mean, just last year, there was, like, a cheating incident in baseball. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. With the world champions. Really? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of money flowing. Well, hopefully you'll hear more from Jesse on our podcast in the future. As long as Molly and I are quarantining without each other, I think it could be time that we come back together and do a recording sometime soon. But we'll see. Anyways, say bye for now, Jesse. Bye for now. All right, back to you, Molly. (laughs) 
the third conspiracy theory is my favorite, and I will say that I've actually delved into this one on my own time, and it's just crazy. It's it's not crazy in that like it's so widespread or anything, but it's just like the amount of detail that's gone into it is crazy. So this one is called the Mayday Mystery, which is also the name of my new emo band, Mayday Mystery. Oh. <laughs> so this one involves a newspaper and about 30 years of advertisements going out in the newspaper. So University of Arizona has a soon-run newspaper called The Daily Wildcat. It's been being published since 1899, but... What's unique about this is that someone has been running ads in this newspaper starting with the first one on May 1st, 1981, every year on May Day. And these ads are very cryptic and they're weird. Um, the first one that was published was just a few words. It had an SR backslash CL colon Richmond and then some Chinese characters and no explanation about it at all. And then following that, they've just become more and more complex until they're just pretty crazy. I was going to show you a picture just to kind of, I know that everyone out there can't see this, but just to kind of show Will. Okay, see, so like, here's an example of, like, how complicated they've gotten with pictures and diagrams, everything from coordinates, Hebrew letters, numbers, physics equations, Bible verses, just literally like a half page ad full of these cryptic things with um, like this one that I'm looking at right now has like an overlay of a city in the background. Nobody's ever, n nobody knows who's sending these. They come anonymously in the mail. Is there a check attached to it or something? No. Well, they How have to they... buy the ad. So yeah, <laughs> I suppose they're paying for it. And then there's just a few common themes that have been going throughout these that people have tried to decipher. A lot of people think that this is some group and maybe they have like a message they're trying to get out to us, but they don't want everybody to know. They only want a select few who in are... Arizona. In Arizona. <laughs> the <laughs> um, God's child. But they call children. themselves the Loyal Order of Unreconstructed Freaks. Oh, man. Sounds... And also refer to something called the Orphanage. Um, every, every time they publish something, they have a leap motive, which is like a main theme, and then like some quote. And then they also have this little guy with a cartoon. So face. the group is the one sending out the the ads. Yes, supposedly. We don't know. It could oh. be one person, it could be a group. But then they have this little like cartoon guy and like he has little lines for hair like drawn on the top of his head and the number of those switch around and people are trying to interpret all of these things. And there's actually a website where you can go and you can see every single one of these ads. Somebody has collected them. You can see all of the clues that people have tried to decipher throughout the last like 39 years and um, try to try to solve it on your own. And it's really interesting. There's a lot of, I guess, just people who are dedicating a lot of time to this and the people, whoever is putting it on says, has actually contacted some of the people that are you know running the website and stuff because i know the website runner and some of the other prominent like posters on the website have received envelopes that have weird cryptic clues in them foreign currency weird rocks that kind of thing they've gotten emails that have these weird like characters that speak in an accent and there's just all kinds of stuff surrounding this now some people think that this is some type of link to the illuminati <laughs> Um, because they do <laughs> only in of... Arizona and in a school newspaper. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess why wouldn't the Illuminati choose some random obscure newspaper? Because you can subscribe to this newspaper and get it sent to you anywhere in the country. Okay. Why wouldn't they choose some weird little random news outlet to put things out so that only the people that they want to, you know, if you are involved in this group, then you subscribe to this paper and a lot of people have said that these contain, if you can decipher it, the notes to their annual meeting, like you can get the location out of there. And then if you can show up, then you can finally become part of this elite group. That sounds like the dumbest thing. 
why would a group of people that are controlling the world want to get people to join their group by sending out these weird cryptic messages when really why would they <laughs> makes well, no you sense know, if you've been <laughs> devoting the last 30 years of your life to deciphering this and you finally figure it out maybe you've proven yourself worthy Worthy of what? Of like going to trivia night? <laughs> it makes no sense. <laughs> I don't know. It makes I mean, no sense as that's how well, the, the, the the people that are supposedly running the world, this clandestine group, would recruit recruit people in this small uh, college newspaper. It makes no sense at all. Well, it could be you know, it's it's nationwide. It's obviously got nationwide coverage with this. Um, website that's up now yeah i could you know i could probably start sending like just pictures of i'll, I'll send a picture of christopher, christopher columbus next to it will be an alligator and then like a bunch of random numbers that are just ones and zeros and then get that published there's no meaning behind yeah, it but what is <laughs> what is your motive to do it for attention 39 years attention but nobody knows it's you it's it's like you know Fun, for God's sake, it could be the goddamn paper putting it out, just so people get to buy the paper. <laughs> That's I, there's, true. I, 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 I'll, I'll say, sure, maybe there's some sort of, like, group that's like oh like we'll recruit smart people but it's one it's not the illuminati which doesn't even exist and two the people that are that are trying to recruit these people probably live all live in arizona and they're probably just like this group that have their heads so up their asses that they have to sound these cryptic clues thing and like oh only the smartest people around could solve a picture of a city with an overlay and then you know cryptic numbers well <laughs> that's how you that's how you determine intelligence <laughs> do you think it's possible at all that i mean it could just be one person that started out with some type of like i'm gonna have some fun yeah and, and it like, probably grew in. into that group. do you think it i mean i guess my my question is is it does it still have meaning or now is it just random stuff people are putting together or is there still like a puzzle at the core of it that is solvable is it even solvable that's what i i mean i'm not sure i don't know who knows <laughs> well okay but well <laughs> it, it's it, it seems it's it's prop like it reminds me of like a thing in my hometown used to do I I can't remember what it was called, but basically they'd give you a bunch of clues and then you'd have to go find things out in like the city. And then you, if you found all the clues, you could win like a $10,000 prize or. Yeah, some people think that it leads to a cash prize. Maybe it's not a group, but maybe there's a treasure buried somewhere. See, it's just, it's, it's just <laughs> some random thing and who knows, somebody started and other people sent it. Well, what I can say is, regardless of whether or not been... it's true, it is kind of fun to go and look at all of the stuff on the website and see all the stuff that people have come up with because you kind of get this sense of like maybe I could be the one who could figure this out. So there is no, there's no definitive like direction that the that that's going. I mean, after thirty years, no, it's yeah. still just all high hypothesis. Of I what... mean, honestly, you'd have to spend literal days on this website to parse through all of the information on there but there is kind of a direction that it's going through and supposedly some of the people who are big contributors on the website and have spent a lot of time have gotten personal clues sent to them through email or mail mail and kind of said things like you're really off track with the whatever or you're on the right track with your location or i don't know it's that kind of thing there has been a little bit of guidance given throughout the years so what and they, they are kind of moving in a direction what direction are they moving i actually i don't know <laughs> okay <laughs> um they they kind of think that it's some type of group but whether or not it's you know <laughs> illuminati affiliated i think it's about time that we can probably give our rating on a scale of one to five illuminati top of the pyramid eyes how likely do you think this is i guess one would be it's a person putting together a picture of random things and sending it in and five would be the illuminati are using the university of arizona to recruit new members <laughs> probably a, a one Illuminati oh, triangle least thing. A two. I would go negative if I could. <laughs> did that? Did any of these remind you of any other conspiracy theories or anything? I mean, I think the world today is so filled with conspiracy theories that you know, they, they have the age of information, information age, yeah. and the early or late nineties, and 
I feel, I feel like this is the age of disinformation that everybody out there is, you know, living in their echo chambers and they're all trying to, you know, cherry pick what they want and and that uh, well, conspiracy theories help them do that. But I think sometimes you have to remember the theory of Occam's razor, like just because you want something to happen, like what is the most obvious and simplest thing? Most of the time that is correct. Like most of the time there's not somebody going to great lengths behind closed doors to um i mean distorting the truth i think that does happen for sure people going to great lengths to distort the truth but always happening but conspiracy theories like aliens building the pyramids or you know like stuff like that it's like what there's got to be a more simple simpler explanation for those kinds of things than another civilization from a different star system came and built those and then left that's where they're keeping the Constitution <laughs> and the Illuminati's bases in there, too. They rent different levels in the pyramids. Well, those were the three conspiracy... Oh. You know what my favorite conspiracy theory that's happened in the last few years? Relatively harmless, but that there's a conspiracy theory that all the birds in the oh, uh, world... The birds work for the bourgeoisie. That they're not really... They're all robots and they're spy bots spying on everybody. <laughs> and there's no real life birds alive in the, in the world anymore, so... I think the chipmunks could be in on that too. Yeah, yeah. That's... I actually, I have a frog that lives right outside of our house. He doesn't move out of the flower pot. I kind of think he's probably a government listening device. Yeah, so, just like the Google Home. Yeah, like why wouldn't he hop away whenever I spray him with my hose? He never does. Anyway, those are the conspiracy theories we picked to talk about today. Hopefully you guys enjoyed a few of them. Um, what are your favorite conspiracy theories? Would they pass the the will believability test? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> He's pretty skeptic. But um, we had fun talking about these, and we hope that you guys had fun listening. Don't forget to follow us on the social media. We're so close to 300 Facebook followers. If you follow uh, on social media, we'll help figure out that stupid puzzle, and we'll we'll become members of the <laughs> we'll Illuminati. Give you, we'll, we'll give all you a be- chunk of the ch- of the cash we get from solving <laughs> the Mayday mystery. We'll all become Illuminati members. I don't know why Mayday Mystery sounds like an emo band to me, but maybe like Mayday Parade? Is that Probably. like an emo band? I don't know. Anyway, we'll see you next week. And this has been Molly and Will. And you heard Rachel and Jesse right before us. And we'll see you next time. 